1 John, if you want to turn there, we're in 1 John chapter 2. Towards the end, we're going to be in verse 18 today. And John has been telling us about living the Christian life. He's challenged us to walk as Christ walked. So he's talking, he's telling us to renounce sin. He's telling us to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus. He's told us to reject the worldliness and, and reject the world system that is against God and to walk with Jesus. And he's going he's gonna to tell us more about that today. He's going to tell us that we need to keep the true faith. We're going to talk about truth and deception today. There is truth. It's absolute and it's universal. It, it applies to everyone. And there is deception. And it is also absolute and applies to everyone. So it's universal. So let's read 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 18 this morning. And it will be up here behind me. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father also. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He Himself made to us, eternal life. So, there's a few uh, key words, you might say, as we go along. He, he starts out talk, telling us that we're in the last hour. I don't think you'd have, I'd have any argument from any of us that we're in the last days. Now, Biblically speaking, the last days are from the ascension of Jesus to his second coming. So we're literally in, those, in that time period. But as we look around and, and see the world, we also see that we're on a path of destruction. We are trying to destroy each other and ourselves. And, and so we're in the last days. And so it may be more important today than it ever has been for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. It's critical for us to know truth and deception today. And then he brings up this word, Antichrist. Holy cow. Oh no, we go all revelation when we hear this word, right? How many of, how, how many, without, don't, don't raise your hands. But, but how many think of this, that when you hear Antichrist, you think of this singular figure at the end of time. That's not actually what the word means. What the word actually means is it, in fact, he, he says here, you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Now, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and there's no article there. There's no, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. 
It just says, you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Now, sometimes that's important in, in Greek, and sometimes it's not. But in this case, we need to know, we need to see what he means by Antichrist, right? Because here's, here's the thing that may shock you. It, this word is only used in 1 John and 2 John. It's never used in Revelation. It's never used in Daniel. It's never used in Thessalonians. It's never used anywhere else. So I don't, I'm not sure if it's the movies or exactly where we've got this idea of this one figure being the Antichrist coming at the end of the age because that's not biblical. It's not actually what the Bible says. Now, Paul uses different words. He uses pseudo-Christ, false Christ, but that's a little different. That's somebody who is claiming to be Christ who's not. That's someone who's claiming to be anointed who is not. That's a pseudo-Christ or false Christ. Paul also uses the idea of the man of lawlessness. But Antichrist is only used in 1 John and 2 John. And the way he uses it, what he's describing, is someone who is against Christ. Now, anti means against. Christ literally means anointed. We, use, uh, we, we say Jesus Christ so often that we think Christ is his last name. It's not. It's a title. It is the anointed. And so even, uh, even in the Old Testament, we have the idea of Messiah, and the word literally means anointed. So we have the anointed or the anointed one. So when he uses antichrist, He's saying against the anointed, or against the anointed one. So that's how this word is actually used, not as some mysterious figure at the end of time. It's used in the context, in this context in particular, it's used to say those who are against the anointed. And then Paul says, we have this anointing. You have been anointed from the Holy One. So, and, and that word anointed is, is charisma, which is a form of Christ, anointed. So, so let's dispel the idea that the Antichrist is some sort of shadowy figure. It is among us now. It was when John wrote this almost 2,000 years ago and is now. It is this work of Satan, the work of the, the enemy that is against Christ. That's what Antichrist literally means. And that's how John is using it. So we don't need to fear this idea of Antichrist. What we, I think, should catch our attention in this passage is that he says that they went out from us. These folks were once part of a church. They were once part of the body of Christ. What happened? Well, John says, that, that they, were, they went out from us to show that they were not of us. That, that they, were, they had a knowledge of Christ, but don't know Christ. They didn't have an experiential knowledge of Christ that John has talked about to us so often here. Let me give you a couple of easy examples. Jim Jones, he had the People's Temple. He moved from the U- U.S. to Guyana and had 900 people drink cyanide-laced grape 
Kool-Aid, which is why you'll never find grape Kool-Aid here, by the way. 900 people. Jim Jones was part of the Disciples of Christ denomination of churches. As a matter of fact, he was, a, a, he was an ordained minister of the Disciples of Christ. He was in the church, but not of the church, and he went out of the church. David Koresh is another easy example. David Koresh was a Seventh-day Adventist. You know the Branch Davidians. He had the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. Eighty, more than 80 people died in that, in that standoff with uh, ATF. More than 80 people died. He was part of the Seventh-day Adventist church. He was in the church, but not of the church, and he went out from the church. <clears throat> there are lots of examples through history. We see this happen again and again and again. But what we must understand, again, what I think, there's two points that I think uh, we really need to understand when John says that they went out from the church and that we are the anointed. The, the first one is that these folks, there are people that are part of the church that are not of the church. They are not, they know of Christ, they don't know Christ. John Piper uh, had, wrote a book called Think. And I want to quote you something he said. He says, They received Christ simply as a sin forgiver because they want to be guilt-free. As a rescuer from hell because they want to be pain-free. As a healer because they want to be disease-free. As a protector because they want to be safe. As a prosperity giver because they want wealth as a creator because they want a, a personal universe, as the Lord of history because they want order and purpose, but they don't receive him as he really is, more glorious, more beautiful, more wonderful, more satisfying than anything and everything else. That's, so, so what Piper is saying is there are people among us, those in the church that, that know who Christ is but, is, but are not of Christ. They are not of the church. Maybe they have responded to the gospel simply for what Jesus does for them, not for who Jesus is. And we, we need to understand, John tells us, this is the danger of, uh, in churches. If it was happening then, it's happening now. We have folks in our church who have in, in our churches around the nation that have accepted Christ for what he can do for them, not who he is. And so John says they were never really a part of us, never really part of the fellowship that we have in Christ, in Jesus, never a full, fully part. Now, remember who, the, who John writes this to. John is writing this letter to refute Gnosticism. And so he had these folks that said that Jesus was fully God, but not fully man. He was some sort of vision. He, he was, they saw him, but he wasn't real. He wasn't fully flesh. That's why John has spent so much time telling us about how he touched and experienced Jesus. Because Jesus was fully man and fully God. We have today kind of the opposite of that. We have the idea in our society... Jesus was a really good man. He was a really good prophet. He was a really good teacher. Maybe he was a really good rabbi, but not fully God. 
Both of those are anti-Christ. Both of those are against the anointing. Both of those are wrong. They're lies. And then he, he tells us, but you have been anointed from the Holy One. So you can see that what John's doing once again, we've seen light and dark, hate and, and, and love, uh, lie and, and truth, um, the world and God. We, we've seen him put this dichotomy together, and now he's saying there are those who are anti-against the anointed and the anointed. And he's calling us the anointed. John is saying that you and I have been anointed by Christ. Now, stop and think that through. Because what John's telling us is every single believer in Christ is anointed. Every single believer in Christ is anointed. Anointed with the Holy Spirit. Anointed by Christ himself. That's you and I. And so there are those that are against not only Christ, but against the anointed, against us. It's the way it's going to be. It's the way the world system works. We're going to have those against us. One of the, one of the functions, one of the main functions, John, John goes into great detail in, in, in his gospel, uh, verse, uh, chapters 14 to 17 or so. He goes into great uh, detail on what the Holy Spirit's job is, what we have been anointed by, and what the Holy Spirit does for us. And one of the main things you see repeated again and again and again is to guide us in truth. To guide us in truth, because, as I said at the outset, there is truth, and it is absolute, and it is universal. And there is a lie. In fact, there's plenty of lies and half-truths, and they are absolute and universal. John is setting, us, setting up this dichotomy of the anointed versus those against the anointed, the truth versus everything else, all of the lies. He's giving us this again. And so he tells us in verse 24, abide or remain, live in, persist, continue in, that which we have heard from the beginning. Too many times we go off on all of these tangents and lose the, the simple gospel truth. We can go off on, on so many of these tangents that we, we miss the simple gospel truth that Jesus is who he says he is. He has done what he says he would do. He has died. He has rose again to give you life. We have life because he died and rose again. We have salvation because he lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death, and rose again on the third day. That's the simple truth of the gospel. And we can get so lost in the weeds that we lose sight of these facts. John tells us, let what we have heard from the beginning remain in us, abide in us, live in us, persist in us. We see this either or constantly, right? Constantly. You're in the light or you're in the dark. You know, I said before and I'll say again, we want the gray area, don't we? 
We want this, well, I'm not fully in the light, but I'm not totally in the dark either. I don't completely love, but I don't really hate. I don't, we, I, I don't, I don't, I don't always tell the absolute truth, but, but I don't lie too much. We want this gray area, and I think the gray area is one of Satan's greatest tools. Because in this gray area lives this relativism that our culture loves. Our culture loves the relativism. Well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. That's, that's good for you, but it's not good for me. There is truth, and it's absolute, and it is universal. It is for every, everyone, every, all of mankind. And there is lies, the opposite of the truth. And it is just as universal and just as absolute. John does not give us gray area. I keep telling you there's no fence to sit on. Light, dark. Hate, love. God's system, the world's system. Truth, deception, or lie. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. Relativism, like we have in our culture, is anti-Christ. It's against who Jesus is. So what is the truth? The truth is that Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. And we need to abide in that truth. We need to remain in that truth. And we need to live there where Jesus is the Christ, where we want to hear from him before we hear from anybody else where we understand His truth is greater than any. Where we understand who He is. Now, I I will admit, I don't agree with everything that Piper says. But I do agree, uh, but I think he has a point, that we have folks within the church, within the churches around the world, certainly in America, that that have come to Christ because of what he does for them, not because of who he is. And I'll quote again, more glorious, more beautiful, more wonderful, more satisfying than anything and everything else. That's Christ. The biblical Christ. So we've talked about the Antichrist, and now we have all of the wrong ideas about the Antichrist. What about Christ? Do you know the biblical Christ? The biblical Christ. As you can. It sounds like we have a cat back here, huh? Oh, we got a vet. We're good. We have a vet right here on duty. <laughs> so I'll ask again, do you know the biblical Christ? The biblical Jesus, who, lived, who, who was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death, is risen and reigning today. Do you know that Jesus? Because you can this morning. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. And pray along in your own words. Say, Father, I know I have sin 
in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died on the cross to pay my price so that I could have salvation. And he lives again to give me life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let one of your, elbow your neighbor and let them know. Do you know the biblical Christ? Are you solid in the foundation of the truth of the biblical Christ? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for that, that we can know you and that we can know Christ. That we can know the truth in your word. Help us, Father, to seek you, to seek Jesus, to seek the truth in your word. Words in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.